Mr. Pop. Hang on. Can we get the dummy to do the show? This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Try it, you're dead. Try it, you're dead. Well, it's good to see they have on the Gold Coast. There's one there. Let's see if they've done it over in the leafy eastern suburbs. Yes, look, there they are there. They're thrown out there dead. Hello, welcome to Rock and Roll. My name's Kevin Hillier. Here's Brian. Hey, five past three here at the <laughs> most best part of the planet. Of course, I'm talking about the mighty Gold Coast. Wow. And look, it's yeah. going to be a great day today, 25 degrees. And why am I talking like this? I think it's because, Kev, I'm going to use this as my audition tape to get a job on Hot Tomato or something like that. Uh, Hot Tomato, Uh, the number one station on the Gold Coast. Who would have guessed it? You wouldn't know. You thought... Yeah, everyone, everyone's singing Hot Tomato. That must be the bar Brian goes to, but no, it's not. It's it's actually a radio station. Well, you know, I'll, I'll take any offers, but um, <laughs> I, think I, could, I think I could probably catch a tram to Hot Tomato, so that would that'd be quite convenient. Be handy. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, you know, how many years have we been doing this show for, Kev? Five. You reckon we'd have some listeners by now, wouldn't you? <laughs> we do have a few. And we also got another participant who we haven't uh, introduced yet. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Fanny. Hello, boys. Hot tomato. God, it's classy up on the coast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so you get a hot tomato gold card and you just you can go anywhere. You can go into, into licensed venues. You can go into uh, fish and chip shops. You can go into... Titty bars, you know, you know, you got the whole gamut. Well, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the program director of Hot Tomato is going to be really impressed by this. There goes this audition <laughs> tape. <laughs> sorry, sorry Brian. to interrupt you, Fine. <laughs> sorry, Brian, I didn't mean the bit about the fish and chip shop, mate. I'm sorry. That's all right. Fine, back to you. <laughs> How are we, boys? <laughs> I tell you what. Mm-hmm. You might think it's beautiful on the Gold Coast, but you should have been here yesterday for Father's Day. What a beautiful day! It was magic, wasn't it? It was a lovely. Oh. It actually, it was a lovely weekend. Yep, beautiful. It was one of the one out of the box for Melbourne spring weekends. I must admit, I was standing at the football in the outer on Saturday afternoon at Werribee watching Werribee play Box Hill in the VFL, and uh, and bloody loving it. It was it was just the sun was on my face. It was oh, it was beautiful, really good. And if you heard the forecast for. The footy this week? Yeah, 11 degrees, someone told me before. Friday's yeah. going to be 11 and Saturday's not going to be much better. Yeah, beautiful. And I'm assuming on the Gold Coast it's probably going to be 25, 26. It might be cloudy, but it'll still be 25 or 26. No care if you're wrong. Here at Hot Tomato, i just got to say, <laughs> it might get down to as low as 16 degrees tonight, so better pull that doona up for a change. Now, can you explain to the people in Queensland what a doona is? Well, I've got one. I, I imagine they're not yeah, all. Yeah, but you're a you soft. Know? You're a softie from Melbourne, and you've turned yeah. into this. You've turned into this little walking round in twenty degrees, whatever it is now, with a with a bloody um, scarf on. Well, you do get a cold neck, but um, so that's funny. Look, so do yeah, I. That's really weird. Yeah, if I my neck's warm, I'm good. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I have a mullet. Um, Maybe that's what it was. 
Yeah, we had mullets in the eighties, Kevin. They were thicker mullets then. Yeah, they were. And and it really protected your neck. And we probably have a neckerchief on. Um, I've been starting to wear a neckerchief <laughs> again, and it really <laughs> helps. Hang on, did you wear? Did you wear a neckerchief on stage and off stage? Yeah. Oh, little the little geez. thing like John Wayne would have in the movies. And the um, the little rope one around your neck, yeah. Finally, you much call for those over on the, your side of town, one of those neckerchief things. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, 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 is that like what what Matt Preston – what does Matt Preston wear? Uh, that's a cravat. That's, that's a big neckerchief, is it? <laughs> that, that's a tucked-in neckerchief. Well, John Wayne, you know, like the um, the cavalry. That have the little yellow yeah, yeah. thing around their neck. That's a neckerchief, and then you can slip it over your mouth if you, you get a sandstorm or something. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that sort of thing. Oh, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, there's a um, there's a shop here that sells all that. What's that called? Well, I should Wanker World. <laughs> <laughs> and guess who's running it? Uh, oh, you want the neckerchief? <laughs> <laughs> he probably is. Uh, and we mentioned what a lovely uh, weekend it was. It uh, Father's Day, nice day, finally with you and the and the kids, the children. Brilliant. The young Brilliant. adults. Big day in the shop, which is great. A lot of people celebrated with bagels for oh, some reason. Yeah, really? But we knew that. That's always very popular for brunch. And then we went out to a lovely restaurant in High Street, Paran, called Neptune. Which is Italian. I got a beautiful card from my kids. Um, you know, I'm glad that I have. If if I've done anything, I've they've inherited my sort of humour. Yeah. So uh, the card was actually a you're, you're the world's best wife. <laughs> oh, nice. With wife, wife crossed out and dad, and there was I had to wear it, but I had to wear the amazing wife badge all night. Oh, good, 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 good. That's good. What about you, Mister Mannix? Did you spot uh, your your protege anywhere? Well, progeny? No, n- not really. I had a very quiet day. I um, uh, got a call from Casey, and I got a call from Max. Casey's up in Cairns, and Max is down in Adelaide. And I actually spent pretty much the entire day by myself, um, which was good. You know, sometimes. You just need to recharge your batteries and get a bit of Brian time, so that was okay. And then last night I went downstairs to my friend Disco and Jans and had dinner with them and Brian Cad and um, Tony Healy from Gozet Magazine and Po. And um, that was that was a nice way to finish the day. And I actually was in bed by about ten thirty or eleven. I, God. Yeah, I know. I feel, and then I didn't get up till ten forty-five today either. So I must have needed to sleep. Very good. Hopefully, you've recharged your batteries and you're, you're zooming for this episode of Rock and Roll. Well, I'm, I'm saving all my energizer, energy for the death Eliza, I would imagine <laughs> that's the, I, that's the part of the show that needs the most energy. I can imagine Brian like just tucked up in a little bassinet, all <laughs> rugged up. Little cutie pie having a little sleepy weepy with a little kerchief on over his head. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I, ha- I I have slept in the kerchief. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> it, I, I don't mind it. It's good for sandstorms and drool. It, 
and, 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 and something else. <laughs> Stop it. Oh. Now, see, that's where – now, that's the problem with this show. He's not the first kid to take a handkerchief to <laughs> Right. Bed. Now, that's that's the problem with this show, <laughs> having a perfectly good, lovely, you know, sanitised, uh, terrific uh, bonding moment between three, you know, men of age, and immediately you go straight – Straight down into the end zone, Bonnie. I think, firstly, on two points here. Firstly, I'm not that flexible, and secondly, <laughs> I can, I cannot participate in this conversation on my hot tomato Triple M <laughs> Brisbane um, radio audition um, tape. Oh God! Yeah, well, I'm just I'm ticking the stations off. You definitely don't bother sending this to the Christian station. I don't think that's. I've got a feeling ah. that's not going to happen. Um, I'd, I'd be very the, a, the, ABC, yeah. the ABC won't have him. The ABC might be off the list as well too, Brian. So I'm not yeah. quite sure you're going to get a gig there. Um, Hot tomato, Maybe I reckon, still it. still a goer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't um, wrecked that yet. See that? Look no. at that. Even wrecked that. You know what I'd normally say. <laughs> um, uh, the the old FM, sorry, gold FM. You, you might still be a chance there. All the oldies, you know, playing the old songs. I- well, I think I'll probably have to, you know, treat each segment. Like I'll use the death Eliza as the ABC audition tape and, you know, take different parts yeah, of the show. Hang on. The death is the not supposed to be the audience members who you put in there. It's supposed to be celebrities and well-known people. No, but I'll use my ABC voice for the death Oh, Eliza. sorry. Yes, of course. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. And then, you know, when we talk sport, I'll get a bit Eddie Maguire or Well, there's something. an SENQ station. They've got a station in Queensland. Oh, yeah. do they? Yeah, well, they do. Haven't yeah. we bagged them so much that they'll never give any of us a job again? No, no, but hang on. We've become I've, – I've got uh, sent an email this afternoon. We've become the overlords of the uh, of uh, Melbourne media. Uh, and uh, and I guess that will transcend and make its way all around the country because of what was clearly what was said on this podcast in the last episode about Tony Moclair. He has got the afternoon gig on 3AW uh, in 2024. Wow. No small, we had no small, you know, nuance to us. Well, if we'd only kept the tapes in those early years when I predicted 9-11, Kev. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um so uh, we yeah we might you never know we might hustle some some more people into some more gigs around the place Brian but we'll try and get you a job if we can. Yeah. All right, I'll, that'll be good. I'd like I'd like Brian reading the dividends on racing radio. <laughs> well, he's done that. He's uh, he did that a few times yeah. late at night on my uh, RSN program. Brian was responsible for helping me with those, weren't you, Brian? Uh, and giving giving the tips on oh. the South African races. And I picked six winners one night. I I didn't have a clue, but I'd just say whatever name I liked and I'd be telling Kevin, the listeners, that, oh, no, this is a good horse. This is I really think it's got a good chance, like I knew what I was talking about. And fortunately, the results went my way. And for a bit there, I reckon I was the hottest tipper on the whole radio station. Yes. Former Hong Kong jockey that you were in uh, in Neighbours, you were, you were riding them from all sorts of directions. <laughs> Val oh, and uh, Scottsville and uh, and uh, Tufontaine. He was clocking them up left, right, and centre. He was back in the old uh, RSN late night days. 
Brilliant. It was a bit of fun, actually. Uh, now, uh, Father's Day, so everyone, do, do, I had a nice Father's Day myself. It was very nice. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, finals footy starting Thursday night this week. Big game, big week of footy in, in Melbourne. Second round of the AFLW. They got off to their first round of matches uh, unscathed. And uh, the little bit, and I only saw a teeny-weeny-weeny little bit, the little bit I saw a highlights package was uh, was pretty good. So... They're off to a flyer for the 10-week season that they've got ahead of them. So good luck to the ladies playing in that. We'll have a look at the tips in a minute. We all did reasonably well, actually, surprisingly. It's amazing how well you can tip when you absolutely have no knowledge and no preconceived idea about a team and you just <laughs> tip a winner. Even you got five, Brian, this week. Well, I'm Brian. Uh, oh, God, I love, I love, I love my – I love my AFLW and, um, you know, I pretend that I don't because I thought I'd lure you guys into a false sense of security so I can absolutely smash you in the AFLW tipping competition. Five for Brian, six for Finey, six for Kev. That's how it panned out after the weekend. So Brian's lost. So Brian's in his (laughs) usual position (laughs) of last. Uh, I didn't want you to get too uh, yeah, cocky there, Manic. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, they gave me a wooden spoon for my Queensland um, tipping, so I got a wooden spoon as well. It says "Congratulations, 2023" written on it. Beautiful. So, so every competition I've come last in. So let's keep the, the tradition going. I now, guess did, was that engraved into the wood, the, the 2023. No, nah, it was scribbled on with the text. Okay? Oh, okay. So we can just rub that out and put four on it for next year. Absolutely, yeah, we okay. can. Absolutely. Right. We might actually just put 2020 and then a dash, and you could just leave it and, you know. Yeah, because, you know, it could go on for 10 I've got years. faith in. I've got faith in, Brian. <laughs> so I. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get to the him. AFLW tips. We'll get your thoughts on the uh, on the on the big games also coming up in the AFL as well. Uh, had a uh, a T Twenty series run and done in the last week. Australia flogged South Africa, mostly on the back of Mitch Marsh uh, with the bat, who was uh, and the captain of the team. He was sensational. Did uh, did either of you see any of that? I watched a bit of the last one. Yeah, I watched the highlights of the last one today, actually. Yeah, well, it was probably the uh, head was terrific. He got 90-something, 90, 90 didn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah, he got caught in the boundary, would have got yeah. 100. Yeah, and mind you, that was the first catch in about 10 they'd caught. They dropped – I've never seen a side drop so many sitters in my life as the South Africans did. Goodness yeah, me. Good. They were terrible in the field. They are awful in the field. They, they even run like they don't want to get to the ball, and then when they get there, they don't do much with it. Their throwing's – Atrocious, and their catching is just bloody hell. Hoppers crossing fifths, to be honest, would be would be upset if they dropped as many as the South Africans did. Uh, so we won that easy. Um, the EPL, Ange, Ange Postecoglou's the new star of the EPL. They love him, finally. Yeah, they do. They've won three, lost one, uh, one, one, three, drawn one, drawn one. Yep. Yeah. So they're on ten points. Which means they're just keeping pace with West Ham. That's we correct. We've had a brilliant start to the season. Yes, most. very proud of my boys and Man City, who but are up there the on top of everybody. Yeah, the big Where, thing is that where's what where, Bournemouth? Where's Tottenham? The second. Oh, wow! Yeah, 
Ange. Well, it's only four. It's only four games, but uh, no, they're playing. They're playing good. A good style of uh, of football, and uh, the crowd love it. And the crowd love him. The crowd love him. Geez, they love him. Um, After the game, he was walking around, and they're they're singing songs to him. And Robbie Williams is singing songs on the internet to him. And um, yeah, so the the fans came up with a song, and then Robbie Williams is singing it. Yeah, well, it's a Robbie Williams song, so they um, they they just changed the words of it. So no, he's uh, he's taken them by storm. So that's that's fantastic. Good to see. A pretty. Australia didn't treat him with such respect so that he would still be our national coach. Yeah, no, probably oh, wouldn't be. I mean, uh, I see the national coaches just, uh, I think, knock back a job so as he can yeah. stay national coach. Um, yeah, but, no, but he, he had to move on. Ange did it. He had to move on. He had, he had bigger fish to fry. He, this is where he wants to be in the EPL. Yeah, but you can still be a coach of an EPL team and be a national coach. No, you can't. But, you can. I do it all the time on the PlayStation. I do it, and I and I, and I win. <laughs> I'm sure you do. And, uh, and Goose, Goose Hiddink was the coach of PVS PSV Eidenheim while he was the coach of Australia. So no, that's rubbish, fellas. You don't know your sport. Ah. <laughs> Goose Hiddink was still the coach of PSV Eidenheim or the the Dutch team. A really great team. Eidenheim. Yeah. I'll, I'll help you out. Edelweiss. You can't be coach of both. You can't be well, coach was, of both. He was going to take Archie Thompson over to PSV to play with them to get him ready for the thing. Um, explain that. Yeah, that might we have been there. Yeah. We no, we were happy to take – we were happy to take Hiddink just for the few weeks of the World Cup finals, which, of course, there's no club soccer on during that time. Yeah. But Australia appoint a full-time national coach. So you I can't be full-time, you can't be a full-time national coach and, the national, and a coach of a soccer team. I reckon that's wrong. And I reckon he was still the coach of PSV, Ivanhoven or whatever it was, and then Archie Thompson was pissed off with Melbourne victory because he wanted to go and they wouldn't let him go. And there was a whole big shit fight over that. And no, I th- I think you can be. No, that was when they know, were doing Brian. That was when they were doing short term contracts for the for the Australian Socceroos coaching position. Now that's not the case. That is now a full time position. Um, yeah. Not 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 just a short term one where you do an Asian Cup and maybe um, a World Cup. Um, all sports have, have have got different versions of that. Basketball do a similar kind of thing. They might do a, a contract for Brian Gorgian for the Olympic Games, and then the next major event, which might be World Cup. His his basketball contract is for the World Cup that's just been on and the Olympic Games, and that's it. Um, but he, uh, yeah, no, they, they don't. It's now a full time position. The Australian Socceroos coach. Yeah. It hasn't always well, been, but it was, but it certainly is now. Well, because when was Graham yeah, Arnold was going to go? Graham Arnold was going to go to, was it Scotland or somewhere? Just recently, got offered a, a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, one and, of the big, one of the better leagues. Yeah, but and no, he knocked it a full-time national coach means you're a full-time national coach. Let's yeah. move on. 
All right, so uh, the other uh, so that's the APL. Uh, done the thing. Oh, that's the other one, Brian. What what's your, what your thoughts on uh, the grand final entertainment for the AFL, which was announced today, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, strap in your seats there at the MCG because Kiss are coming to town. Well, I've only had a few hours to digest this information. Um, my first reaction is they're going to look shit house during the daytime. That's what I thought. They too. need to be. They need to be dark. They need fire. They need to look like hell, and they're going to look silly in the daytime. However, um, they can still shoot the flames in the air and that's, that sort of stuff. Um, maybe Gene will fly. That'll be good. Um, you know, if they put on the big circus that is their show, then they'll be great. And I think that I haven't really formed an opinion on forming it now, but um, <laughs> I think they've probably got the songs like "I Want to Rock and Roll All Night." That'll that'll kill them. Um, I was made for loving you. Yeah, yeah don't know that it's a very AFL appropriate, but yeah, it'll work. Um, Sure, knows something. Uh, yeah, no. I th- look. I think. What are they getting on for? Twenty minutes. So, rock and roll all night, and then yeah, probably a couple of those ones you mentioned. But yeah, they've probably got the songs to get the atmosphere right. But I just think they're going to suffer being in daylight. You know, Gene Simmons got a paunch on him like there's no tomorrow. And <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you could do worse. I think. Finally. As a as a football follower who who you know loves the grand final, been there. Are you, are you excited about Kiss? All right. Well, first of all, you know I'm heavily into my music. Yes, I've always always ever since I came out here in 1980, played at Waverley Park. Huge. They might have been the biggest rock band in the world at that stage. I've always found them to be an overrated vaudeville act. That's my opinion of KISS. <laughs> Maybe rock and roll all night is good because of that drum bit, you know. Yep. That that drum bit. Otherwise, I find them incredibly boring and repetitive. That being said, I think they're a, a great I think they I think they've got about a 20-minute disc- discography that's worth listening to, <laughs> so they're perfect for a grand final. That be So I think they're a great choice because they're, they're still identifiable. Even young people today would be able to, you show them a picture of all the made-up members and, you know, I've got no idea who the members of the band now are. I, I wouldn't know if Ace Freely's alive or dead. I don't know, Paul Stanley could Yeah, no, Paul's, Paul's, a- Paul's in really good nick, actually. Yeah, he could be a double amputee for all I know. But the the fact is, I think, and the one thing they've got going for them, you're right, apart from Gene Sims' paunch, is that they do wear makeup, so they probably age better than most bands. <laughs> but I, th- but I agree with Brian. I think I think they're a great choice. I just don't think they're obviously a daylight band, so they're gonna the. AFL is going to have to do something very clever to showcase Kiss. I don't know what that's going to be, but at least they've got something to work with. 
Otherwise, it could look like four Ronald McDonald's running around with guitars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Surely we have the yeah, technology yeah. now gonna... to do to do some to bring something in over the top of the at the back of them to make it look like night in front of them. Do you know what I mean? I'd hope so. Yeah, I think they can do that. You know, they're not just going to drop them in the middle of the ground like Barry Crocker. Well, it's going to wouldn't have yeah. thought so. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be presented pretty well. But so I think it's I think look, they're a, they're a big act still. Like, when you consider the demographic of a grand final, it's not a it's not for teenagers. So there's going to be a lot of people of the right age to enjoy it. You know, it'll be honestly it'll it'll. It'll be funny. It, it, look, there's every chance Collingwood's going to be there in the grand final. So their fans would love it. Melbourne fans wouldn't even know who Kiss are. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of the teams that are there. Yeah. Because, no, I mean, that's a joke. But, um, but I think for, for 20 minutes the crowd's going to lose themselves and have a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Yep. That's the idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're going to have a lot more fun than Ed Sheeran, and people like Ed Sheeran. So, who am I? To- I think it's going to be. I, I think you're on a hiding and nothing following Robbie Williams last year because that, yeah. that was that was pretty bloody good from uh, whether you were 15 or 50. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a really hard act to follow, and you know, I can't think of I can't think of a band that. Would fill the stadium like that. I just hope they do something for them so it it has an effect on. Because I agree with Brian, they're a nighttime band, and part of the appeal is the whole, um, you know, the the fire and uh, and and the makeup works better at night than it does during the day. All that stuff. So yeah. Oh look, they're you know they're better in a dark room. They're better in a dark room with the lights on. Correct. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Yeah, no, it just hundred percent. It just it just gave me an idea. If they ever get me to do the grand final again, here's how I want to do it. I come in in a helicopter, right, and then I'm from the helicopter, and then I'm waving to the crowd from the helicopter, and then I duck back into the helicopter for a sec, and then I fall from the helicopter and smash through the stage. But see, I was already under the stage waiting for this. There's a lookalike of me in the helicopter. They throw the dummy off. Everybody thinks I've fallen to my death, and then I pop up and start singing Everybody Wants to Work. How about that? That that has some real highs and lows, that does. <laughs> Get some people on the edge of their seat. Uh, yeah. Yay, he's dead. Damn it, he's alive. Um, hello, my name's Kevin. I'm from OHS. I'd just like to go through a few of the uh, conditions of uh, sale and entry with you, Mr. Mannix. What if the dummy? What if the dummy doesn't hit the stage? And you know, the wind gu- uh, gusts at the MCG because the MCG does have a couple of areas where the wind comes through. The wind gets a hold of the dummy, and the dummy goes woofing back up into the thing and. Falls into the crowd. There's one scenario. What if the dummy gets caught in an updraft from the helicopter and gets caught in the rotor blades of the helicopter and the helicopter okay. comes down? Here's what I mean, we helicopters, do. Helicopters are the most unsafe thing in the world. Correct. I've got I've got this down. Right. We're we're in a protected area. We're in the MCG. The helicopter's there. 
And then we drop a line out, like I'm going to abseil down to the stage, right? So I've got the weight down at the bottom. Oh, okay. And then I've got the dummy, you know, he's got like a thing. He's not to the rope, but he's connected to the rope and you can't see it. So he can just fall. So we know he's going to fall within two feet of where we want him to fall. So Brian Jr. Not- is actually is there ready to go, Wooshka, attached and to then, the line. Uh, right. Okay. So, yeah, but he's – yeah, so he hits where I want. And then once he's hit, I jump up out of the stage. Oh, ooh, that hurt. Let's rock. <laughs> I've got – hang on, hang on. Can we get the dummy to do the show? <laughs> you already have. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll do the show, the four of us. And I reckon the, and I reckon the dummy ain't going to finish last in the footy tipping. This week's footy tips. Finey on seven, Kevin on six, Brian's dummy on five, and Brian on three. <laughs> That's very unkind, Finey. Very unkind indeed. Let's let's look through the AFLW games. Uh, they start Friday night, so they've got a game on Friday night uh, pre the uh, the game between Carlton and Sydney. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Same gr- at the, at the no, same no, no. ground. No, no, no. One to the AFLW game is at Icon Park, the Carlton ground, oh. and Carlton are playing on Friday night against Sydney. But, uh, of course, that's at the MCG, not at um, Icon Park. But that's an interesting bit of fixturing anyway. Richmond and Adelaide play Friday night. This is AFLW. Uh, Brian, who are you going for, Richmond or Adelaide? Well, the girls from the Crows, they're, they're the premiers, aren't they? Uh, no, Melbourne were the premiers from memory. Yep. Uh, the, the, the Crows have won it a few times. They're great. They are great. I'll tip them as well. Finey. Richmond. Richmond, who had a win last week from memory. Uh, yep. Gold Coast play West Coast at Heritage Bank Stadium, which is up there on the Gold Coast. Saturday morning at 11.05. Brian, if you're up, head down there and have a look at the girls in action. Will you be backing them and tipping them? Absolutely I will, Kev. I love those girls. Okay, Suns, I'll go for the Suns as well, even though I think uh, the Eagles, the Eagles have a win? Yes, they did. Uh, Fonny? No, no, the Eagles didn't win. They played Frio, didn't they? Yeah, didn't Frio win? Uh, let me have a look. Yes, Frio did win, sorry. Correct. Uh, I'll go for the Gold Coast Suns. Yes, Gold Coast Suns all round then. Uh, Port Adelaide played Brisbane at Alberton Oval at uh, Saturday afternoon at 1.05. I'll go Port at home, Brian. Um, Port versus who? Brisbane. Uh, yeah, no, I think the girls from Adelaide are pretty tough. I think they'll be better. The Alberton girls will win. Funny. Uh, yep. Uh, Port Adelaide. I'll go for Bri- Brisbane to bounce back. Brisbane, okay. Uh, Saturday afternoon again. Oh, Saturday afternoon football. Where'd they get that idea from? Uh, 105 Sydney played Geelong down at North Sydney Oval. Geelong were disappointing in their first gear. No, sorry, not disappointing. They belted the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs were disappointing. Yep. So I think Geelong will beat Sydney. Funny? Geelong. Monsieur, Monsieur Menix get Geelong as well. Western Bulldogs were terrible up against Hawthorne. They're playing at Mars Stadium in Ballarat on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I'll stick with the doggies. Funny. I'll go for the doggies. And Mr. Mannix. The Hawks love the cold weather. Do they? Um, so, well, the male team played Tassie all the time. 
So I'll just apply it to the whole club. And so therefore the Hawks will win. Well, it's a one-club mentality, Brian. It's a one-club mentality. Three teams exactly. maybe, but one club. Collingwood play Frio at Victoria Park on Sunday afternoon. I'll uh, back the pies in here, finding. I'll go for the pies. And Mr Mannix, the pies or Frio? Mm, no. No, I think Frio are going to cause an upset. Okay. Rio for the upset. Kangaroos play Carlton, Arden Street, Sunday afternoon at 3.05. For like the Kangaroos, think they're a good uh, good little outfit, the Kangaroos. Uh, your choice, Mr. Fine? North Melbourne. Kangaroos. And Monsieur Menix. Kangaroos. Can't bring myself, can't bring myself to back Carlton, no. <laughs> Okay. Essendon play St Kilda, Windy Hill. Oh, here you go, boys. It's a face-off between you two. Sunday afternoon at Windy Hill. Uh, many a Sunday. Many, many a good afternoon at Windy Hill watching the football. Not. Uh, Brian? Oh, let's go to the Bombers. Bombers. Mr. Did they win last week? They beat the Hawks on, wouldn't they? I saw the start yeah. of it. but uh, Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, Mr. Fine? I'll go to the Saints. The Saints? And I shall go the Bombers. Uh, I hate tipping this in anything. Final game is GWS and Melbourne at uh, at Fremantle Community Bank Oval. Uh, must be in Sydney. Uh, it's a GWS home game. They're playing Melbourne, who are the premiers. I'll go for Melbourne, Finey. I'll go for Melbourne. Brian. I think the real winner here is Fremantle Community Bank Oval. What the <laughs> f*** is that? <laughs> Um, where, where, where is the Fremantle Community Bank Oval? Somewhere in Sydney, I think, because it's a GWS home game. They wouldn't be relocating their home games to Fremantle, so well they can they can piss right off. I tell you. Um, so for that reason, um, I will go for I think Melbourne will be too strong. Melbourne. All right. That's the AFLW tips. Currently, Brian is on the bottom of that ladder on five. Finally, and I. Uh, sit abreast the um, the podium, each <laughs> on six. Now, Quite now Thursday night qualifying final Collingwood Melbourne MCG. <laughs> Are Collingwood limping into this final series or charging into it? Melbourne feels to me like they're charging into it more than Collingwood are, but I think Collingwood will win on. Thursday night, Mr. Fine. I'm going for the demons. Uh, give me a give me a couple of reasons why. Well, I mean, I don't think Dacos is playing. He's an important player, but not the be all and end all. Nick won't play, but I think um, Darcy Moore will. Darcy Moore probably will because uh, I hope he's 100. percent Yeah, because you don't so want do to not be. I just think it's going to be a Given the weather, there's going to be a lot of st- stoppages, etc. Uh, in weather like that, a player like Petrarca, I don't think, has an equal on the field. That strong bull. And if he does, his name's pack. Clayton Oliver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I just think that maybe in a big stoppage game when you've got the best ruckman in the comp, you know, I don't know, he wasn't all Australian, but at the moment he's the best. Yep. Um. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stoppages, I think, will suit Melbourne. Uh, yeah, I'm going for them. Okay. Brian, who are you tipping, Collingwood or Melbourne? 
Collingwood. Why? Um, they're the fittest team in the competition. They have been all year and they were last year. And I think it'll be close. But in that last 10 or 15 minutes, that's when Collingwood sort of rises to the occasion, I think. Um, when other teams are getting tired, they've still got another 10 minutes in them. And, you know, you, no, I, I think, yeah, I think I just think they can outrun most teams. Um, and, yeah, so there you go. Collingwood, for me, probably don't know I am the wooden spooner, so take it all leave. No, that's right. Oh, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm concurring with you. The Friday night game is Carlton and Sydney at the MCG. Um Carlton, uh, or both these teams got incredibly good roles towards the end of the uh, of the season. A couple of little hiccups, but basically uh, the second half of the season was when they they both showed their credentials to be in the in the eight. Um, who do you like? I, I'm I'm going to tip Carlton. I don't like tipping Carlton in anything, but I think they're actually I think they're actually going well enough to win this game. I'm not sure they'll go any further than this, but I think they're going well enough to win this one. Um, Mr. Fine. Yeah, I'm going to Carlton. They, they're very strong. You know, you've got Kerno, pretty good target. The wet weather won't necessarily suit him. Their small forwards are okay. Sydney were great in the finals last year. An amazing effort to get back into it this year because they were gone, you know. They were absolutely gone in terms of finals 10 weeks ago. No, the punch-drunk fighter just kept getting up, weren't they? And they've got such a great record of making the finals every year for the last 20 years almost. They're the polar opposite to Carlton. <laughs> and somehow they've made it again this year from, you know, uh, and I would, if, if you asked me to tip the eight for next year, I wouldn't have them in either. I, I just, you know, they've got a couple of good players, though, that Errol Goulden's a star. And, yep. And, you know, uh, Chad Warner's a very good player. He's got a little bloke in the middle. Is he the number one that plays in the middle? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. good. He's very good. I like him. Braden Campbell, the big kicking half-back flanker. I just think their forward line's a bit flimsy. So, you know, even though they've got Tom Papley at the drop of the ball, when I say flimsy, I mean Hayden McLean and Amadi are being good, but actually on a wet, wintry night in Melbourne, they do not look like strong prospects yep. up forward, and I don't know if their ground play is all that good. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i pretty confident Carlton would win that one, actually. Okay. Brian, Carlton, Sydney. Well, I think Carlton, you know, I have long suggested that the AFL, you know, I'm not saying it's fact, it's alleged by me <laughs> and my little mind. <laughs> then we know about the facts <laughs> part of it. Yeah, go on. Well, I think the AFL to function and have a very good year next year and for Sydney to go well, we need Sydney to be in the finals almost every year. They've made the finals. But I think, and Carlton will have the home crowd behind them, um, but I think that they forget that the AFL umpires will probably – get the Swans home, and it's Carlton are going to find out the frustration that Essendon supporters have had for five years, climbing up the f***ing goalpost and there's no free kick for f***ing sake. So, in short, your tip for this game is? Sydney. Okay, I'll just scrub out what I'd written down. 
surprised with that one. Righto. The other elimination finalists in Kilda and GWS, Saturday afternoon at 3.20. Gee whiz, interesting game this one. It'll be at the MCG as well. Finey, are you feeling confident? I'm not going to tip you. I'm going to tip GWS. I just think they're coming in with a head full of steam. Um, they are. And I, th- they are. And, I, and I think they're a good team. Um, yeah, they look very good. What about what, what are you feeling about your Saints' chances of getting through for another week? I think St Kilda's late season form has been great. You know, they, they were up against 10 minutes to go. They were a point up against Brisbane in Brisbane. You know, that's a pretty good effort. Mm. I know Brisbane are kicked in accurately, but that was a very good effort by St Kilda. Um, remember the Max King didn't play and Seb Ross didn't play. Um, I know GWS, they look fantastic at the moment with Hogan kicking goals, Toby Green obviously starring. Um, but I think it's a real 50-50 call and I'm just going to go for the Saints a bit out of hope. I mean, yeah. look. I am so proud of St Kilda making the, the finals this year. It was a very competitive season. When you consider the likes of Geelong, Bulldogs, Richmond, real season campaigners with good teams at times, all missed out, it's a bloody good effort to have made it by the Saints. Yep. Um, it's a very unlikely final. St Kilda GWS doesn't roll off the tongue like Collingwood, Melbourne or, you know, Brisbane Port. No, it doesn't. But but there it is, and, and well done to both teams. And Kilda, got to give credit to the Saints. They were in the eight every week of the year. Can and I ask you a question about uh, Ross Lyon? Yep. How much of how much of what's happened this year is him? Well, I'd, to be honest, I'd sack him. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> exactly. I, I'd put... Yeah, I'd sack him. I'd wrap him up in a sack yeah. and not let him leave that club for another 20 years. <laughs> oh, it's all him. It's all okay. mindset. It's all faith in players. It's all – got to remember that – you've got to understand that, all right, they've made the finals. They won 13 games, which is a bloody good effort. They had to beat Geelong and Richmond to tie up a finals berth, and that's not easy, you know, given St Kilda's flakiness over the years. And – He's done so and still played Matthias Philippou for all 23 games. Mitch Owens played all 23. Wanganine Malera played all 23. Cooper Sharman has played the last 15 or 16. He's only a young player. Um, Windhager played 18 games. You know, he has not compromised going forward with a young team. So... It's been a brilliant effort. Yeah, okay. Who's a bloke down back, the left footer who runs around in your defence and does uh, seems to be everywhere? Is it Wilkie or Wilkes? The All-Australian fullback, Callum Wilkie. Yeah, him. He's he a left footer. He goes all right. He goes all right. Um, oh, well, Sinclair's brilliant. <clears throat> no, you've got some good all players. Of- and, and, and you've unearthed some good players. Yeah, no, it's been a really good year. No? Rowan Marshall's had a great season. Yeah, That'll a be a good season. game. Yep. All right, Brian. I'll tell you he's good. I'll tell you he's good. Is the GWS Ruckman, and I've and I knew he was good three years ago. I said St Kilda should have got him three two years ago. I think two or three. I saw him play a practice match. His first ever game for GWS. I thought, please, I love solid Ruckman with big bodies. 
and he's had to wait and wait. He's been third in line behind Braden Proust and and um, Matt Flynn, and he finally got his go, and now he's permanent number one, that Kieran Briggs. He's very good. Yep. Brian? He reminds me a lot of Mumford. Yeah, he's got a lot of mummy about him. Brian, your thoughts? Uh, St Kilda and GWS, who are you backing? My thoughts are this. In 97, St Kilda and the Bulldogs were clearly the best teams of the year. But when it came time to, that it really mattered, Adelaide came up and they were they had that training session and they were shit for a couple of weeks, but then they were fitter when they came in and they won the whole thing. And on form, I think that GWS is just coming into form at the right time, a bit like Adelaide did in 97. So I think they will smash St Kilda, and I think maybe watch out for GWS for the whole thing. Oh, God, that is music to my ears. Thank God. (laughs) Not only did he tip him, he said they'd smash us. Oh, we are. Oh, well, now I've got to organise tickets for week two of the final. Oh, yeah, righto. Okay. (laughs) And the other Saturday game is Saturday night, the second of the qualifying finals up in Brisbane at the Gabba, and Brisbane will host Port Adelaide. Bloody interesting game. This one, uh, on the Gabba, can't not tip Brisbane, to be honest. And uh, I, I really like Port Adelaide. I love the way they play. Like Kenny Hinckley, I, I reckon uh, out of all the teams in the final series, I think G, uh, GWS is the other one, but I think Port Adelaide got the most shit in them in terms of that uh, that ruthlessness um, that you need, I reckon, to win a grand final. I reckon they've got it in spades, but I think they're going to lose the first week against Brisbane. Funny. See, I've always loved Brisbane, Port Adelaide. You know, when you talk about, because I grew up with the twelve teams in Melbourne, of course. Yeah. And when you think of the other teams, I don't think there's a whole lot of. It, well, there's two other of, of if you count them as interstate teams, Sydney and Brisbane. Then obviously there was for a period this incredible rivalry and tradition between West Coast and Sydney. Yeah, it was. Now you take the derbies and the showdown out of it because, of course, if you're in the same state, there's something going on. But most other games between what I call expansion teams leave me flat. Like, like I'll never change. I'm never, ever going to be interested in Port Adelaide, Gold Coast, GWS, Fremantle. You know, when those games yeah. happen during the season, they're like not events to me. I'm sorry. I apologise if I'm offending anybody, but I was born of another era except Brisbane and Port Adelaide because they've held a fascination for me ever since they started playing each other. Why is that? Do you know what the results were in the first ever three Brisbane-Port Adelaide games? Absolutely no idea. Draw, two points draw. Okay. And I just thought that was fascinating that they would start, you know, very rare. It's it's amazing. It's the only time in the history of football that the first time two teams have played each other was a draw. All right. And then that happened again two games later with a two-point. And they've played in a grand final against each other. They've been up the top at roughly the same time. And now they're doing it again. Just an interesting aside. Okay. So who wins? Port of no hope. Brisbane's a suit. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brian, Brisbane and Port now, Adelaide. 
But this is the upset of the week. Port are going to win this. Joe Danner is going to kick one goal seven and lose <laughs> the game for them. And that Hepworth, he's going to kick four out in the full and three points. What did um, you call him? Epworth? <laughs> Hepworth. Well, I don't know. Shitworth is Hipworth. what he should be called. Hip, Eric Hipwood. Shit. 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 Hipwood, but he shit won't. No, he's rubbish. Look, he can get the ball, but he's freaking kicking. Just hand pass it. No, I think. Look, you, you obviously know, didn't watch problem. that. You haven't watched him recently. God, he's kicked some good goals recently. <laughs> he need to, but how many kick out in the fall or didn't make the distance? Nah, look, you know, he can get the ball, but, you know, he's got a. You, you just got no idea. You know, they can have a great week. But if him and Danaher, they could be dominating the game. But if him and Danaher won one of the, you know, not in, not unusual shit games in front of goal, they could lose a game for them. And I just think, as Kev said, that Port Adelaide got a bit of prick in them. They got the whole state riding on them. Brisbane, you know, no, I think Port for sure. Okay. All right, that's the uh, the tips. Uh, good luck, finding. You're the only one of us three left uh, with a team in the uh, in the finals competition. Good luck. I mean, I'm, I know as you know how I felt in 2016 when the the doggies you know started their little charge. Uh, it's bloody exciting if it's your team, and your team has not won a grand final since 1966. When was the last one you were in? Was it 2010? Who are you telling me? Yeah. You're telling me we haven't won since '66. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think you know that, don't you? Thanks for the thanks for the background. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I thought we'd won seven. Um, when did you? Um, when was yeah, your last? Yeah, the last one we were in, mate. Yeah, we know all that. When, when was the last one? Was it 2010? I'll save that for the tea jerkers. Just get on with the bloody business. All right, okay, Brian. You know what time for? Well, actually, I've just got to rephrase my whole thing because apparently saying ladies and gentlemen now is that's no good because you're insulting people. So you just you can't do that anymore. Can't you? Which I, no, I was listening to Piers Morgan talk about it. They're talking about woke. And, you know, on the airlines, they used to say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flight 543, to Coolangatta or whatever. They said, but you can't do that anymore. So what they because, say? Because, I don't know, hello everyone or something, I don't know. But, <laughs> you lot. But, but he made a good point. You see, that's, I'm sick of your scaremongering, Brian, and as soon as you mentioned Piers Morgan, <laughs> president, world president of the self-opinionated <laughs> quick club, which he is. No, well, he might be. Yeah, because, because people like you and Piers, you always start by saying something completely wrong, right? And do you know what you say? You say you can't do this or you can't. You can do whatever you want, Brian. It's a free country. Yeah, I know. So Piers Morgan goes, you can't, you can't say like No, no, no. Yes, he was talk- Of course he you was can. Talk- he was talking about British Airways and British Airways. Right, but they don't do it. They, they don't they no do, one it. Could do it. All right, that's their choice. But doesn't mean that you can't, because when you say to people no, you can't, no, well, then I'm you're thinking to... that you're impinging on people's rights. You can do whatever you want, Brian. Piers, Mo- Piers Morgan can do whatever he wants, and I'd prefer it was go f- himself, <laughs> well, but he doesn't I, yeah. have to. 
Well, wait a second, wait a second. Because of because of one percent of the world's population is transgender, we can no longer say ladies and gentlemen because it might yes, piss off one one percent. No, this corporate company can't. So that's the issue. No, they choose not to. That's their choice. Well, that's bullshit because they're denying my right to be called a gentleman, a woman's right to be called a lady, or because some guy or chick can't decide what f***ing sex they want to be. And now, not only because they're confused, they want to f*** up the majority because, oh, I'm 1% of the population and I'm being ignored. You're not being f***ing ignored. You're f***ing little bullshit f***ing transgender shit has taken over this 1% is outruling the majority, which is the exact opposite of democracy. So anybody that f***ing thinks that's wrong, get f***ed because, ladies and gentlemen... Not they, not me, not Z, not anything. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the deck of light. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> it's just all the You're other things. You're allowed to say that. It's all the other things you said before that, Brian, you can't say. Anyway, let's get to the death Eliza. And at first, I've got to say something uh, that I stuffed up last week. And not... not Intentionally stuffed up, but just something that I said. Who that did was, you kill was, off? No, I didn't. No, 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 no. Didn't kill anybody off that wasn't dead. Um, there's a couple on standby, but we'll get to them. Uh, no, I said, and, and it's a point that I wanted. I'm glad the person picked me up on because it is something that annoys the bejesus out of me. Um, Austin Robertson, who I mentioned last week, passed away. I think was, he was 80 when he passed away. Uh, is a member of the uh, Australian Football Hall of Fame not the AFL Hall of Fame, as I called it, because there is actually no such thing as the AFL Hall of Fame. There is the Australian Football Hall of Fame. People do not play the game of AFL. People play the game of Australian rules football. Um, something. But that, you can say that if you want. You'd be wrong, but you're allowed. To what? <laughs> to say it. You'd be right. I think, I, I think you assumed he was male. <laughs> yes. I think you also did Shut use the word he. You too. Fair dinkum. Um, now, let's have a look who's in the uh, in the deathalyzer. Now, first up is uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed, who passed away at the age of 94. He, of course, was uh, father of uh, Dodi uh, Al-Fayed, who was in the car with Princess Diana. Uh, when that tragedy happened, uh, he also owned Harrods, and for a while there, he was, I think, from uh, I think it was about five or six years, he owned Fulham in the uh, in the English Premier League. I'm not sure they were an English Premier League side when he owned them, but um, he certainly owned them. So he passed away at the age of uh, 94. Uh, Gail Honeycutt, the actress, uh, died at the age of 80. She was in Dallas as Vanessa in Dallas for a few years. Um, now, this book was actually – this is a really strange one, and I, I didn't get a chance to recheck it, but I did see a, a Twitter post later that, that confirmed it enough for me to go with this one. Because about four weeks ago, the, the, there was a, a huge report that this bloke had died. Um, and at the age of 49, I thought, that's very strange. And then uh, they backpedalled at a million miles an hour and said he hadn't – in fact, he hadn't died. Uh, but today it was announced at Heath Streak – the uh, 49-year-old former captain well, of the Zimbabwe cricket team um, passed away terrible. from liver cancer. He played well, he, he played 100, over 100 tests. Um, he was the captain of Zimbabwe. Um, 
He was in their, in their coaching staff and was a, a you know one of the key figures of Zimbabwe cricket getting to where it got to or where and where it is today. So, uh, at the age of forty nine, unfortunately, he passed away from liver cancer. And a great, a great name for a fast bowler, which he was. Yeah, he's streak, yes. Um, uh, Jack Sonny passed away at the age of 68. He was the other guitarist in uh, Dire Straits and uh, took, a, took a more major role in Dire Straits when Mark Knopfler's brother left the band and uh, he became the, the second guitarist, uh, to obviously to Mark Knopfler, who was the guitarist in Dire Straits. But Jack uh, toured with them and recorded with them for many, many years, so he passed away. And uh, oh, actually, I've got an apology to make. That that, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I, I said going back to the nineteen eighties. There's no band I like less than Kiss. Dire, <laughs> dire Straits. Sorry. <laughs> dire Straits. Uh, yes, uh, I'm. I'm not the hugest fan that uh, God ever put breath into. To I can tell you. Um, uh, the other one is uh, the man who they lovingly referred to as uh, the man who created beach bum, uh, beach bum soft rock. Um, Jimmy Buffett died at the age of seventy six. Uh, Margaritaville. He had this uh, enormous following of uh, fans called the Parrotheads. Um, he had a beautiful song in the seventies called Come Monday, which I, uh, still is just a beautiful song, and he sings it uh, fantastically. Um, sad loss. He's one of those. Uh, there's there's a, a million stories on uh, social media since he passed from people like Paul McCartney who uh, who told a, a, a Jimmy Buffett story, Elton John who told a, a Jimmy Buffett story on uh, on social media. So he's one of those people that um, everyone everyone knew or had played with at some time, time, whether it was James Taylor or whether it was the Beach Boys or incredibly famous. Invented the all you could eat restaurant. <laughs> well, no, I tell you what, he was he was incredibly rich. Um, he, yeah, was, he was Warren's. He was Warren's. Was he Warren's brother? Was no, he? he wasn't Warren Buffett's brother. No, uh, rich in his own right. Uh, around the middle two thousand and ten, about two thousand and eighteen or something, I saw a uh, a uh, story about him. Where at that stage, um, he was reported to be worth five hundred and fifty million. Now, not much of that came from his record sales because he was by no means a superstar recording artist in the you know up there with the seventeen million. Albums per album type deal. He sold well, and he uh, he charted well, but uh, he was by no means your, your you know big superstar and making shitloads of money from that. But uh, no, he was he was worth a fortune. So good on him. Had restaurants and he had beers and he had uh, yeah, uh, all you can eat restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, farewell to Jimmy Buffett at uh, the age of seventy six. Come Monday is just a great song. All right, uh, that's it, Brian. Close it up. Oh, wait, a, wait a second. What? Check your list. Well, who, who done this? Well, is Joe Biden there or what? No, no, he's not. Uh, I've been oh, checking. The, I've been bust. checking the list because there is a well-known oh, singer who's uh, on his deathbed, apparently, according to social media, and I was checking to see whether he passed away, but he hasn't. For the safety of the world, let's hope he appears on next week's. Stop for it. God's sake. All right. Don't wish death on anybody, Brian. That's horrible. Uh, he's already dead. He's Have not. you seen him talk lately? He's a... Anyway. Right. Le- ladies and gentlemen, this was the end of Death Alliance. Thank you, Brian. Oh, Kevin, I feel I've let the right-wing genie out of the box. <laughs> 
Oh, you have. It's just f***ing ridiculous. It's woke bullshit. You know, know, what's happened is democracy. Remember majority rules? (laughs) Now, just, yeah, we want to involve everybody, but you're all Australian, you're all American. Just get off your high horse and stop complaining and it's just bullshit. So you, so you, so you're, so just, somebody's just sort of summarising here, Brian. Oh, this would be good. Mm, please, please do. <laughs> this would be good. So you're, so you're very much anti live and let live. You're putting words into my mouth. What well, I'm saying like you is, are. You, you just want the majority, the majority to rule. So you, you, you're saying that if you're not in the majority, go f- yourself. You don't have a right. No, and you don't no, have a voice. No, that's no, not that's what pretty I said. much what you said. No, what I have said is we are pandering to minority groups to show that we are inclusive and we are virtue signalling, but in the same process... Yeah, yeah no, you can... We, we, no, let, let, let me finish. But you're, you don't... You're, you're against... No, you're, let leave. no you're not let me, letting me finish. Let him go, let him go. Go on, bro. Let me finish. We are pandering to minority groups and to manage a country or a civilization. You have to look after the majority while being inclusive to the minority. We are not doing that. You know, we've got a problem here, but this is woke bullshit gone out of control. And it's like, you know, it, you've got to, it's a civilization that democracy works on majority rules. Let's be inclusive, but let's not let, be held to ransom by virtue signaling shit. You know, it's bullshit. Okay, that's it. All right, Uh, fair enough. Uh, Let you have your say. That's fair enough. Thank you. No worries. I I appreciate it. Not a problem. (laughs) Very kind. Live and let live. Yeah, no, I agree with that. All right, let's get to uh, the topic. Now, Brian, you chose the topic. Now, it's five movies that made you cry. Mm. Okay. Now, I'll, I'll... Hands here now. I'm a, I'm a crier. I'm very I cry very easily, um, to both in a sense as a viewer or a listener or a um, uh, as a, as a human being in normal life. So I'm not. It's not that, but I really struggle with it because I because I cry so easily in in so many ways. I cry at all sorts of different things, and sometimes uh, it's not it's not the tearjerker movie, but uh, it's one little bit in a movie that gets to me. So. Um, I struggled to find five movies that didn't cry in. No, I struggled to find five movies that were poignant enough for me to um, to come up with, you know, five that mean really, really mean something. So I just thought I'd put that on the top. I agree. I found that the films that I found, they weren't tearjerkers. They were a surprising moment. And I was surprised how many war movies moved me to tears. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't, you know, um, the obvious tearjerkers that you see on the list. It was ones that just had a moment in the movie that just, oh my god! And so, yeah, we'll you'll hear about that. Yep. Okay. Finally, how'd you go with it? Very similar. So I don't movies that are intentionally made to make you cry sicken me, but there are movies I've cried in. I. Mm. I cried. I, I'm looking at the list. I sort of cry. Look, there's one movie that stands out that I don't think not a lot of people know of that I found so sad. I was sobbing in. Yeah, see, I often, I often find movies really sad. I don't necessarily cry, but I'll, 
I'll tear up, but I, I don't necessarily, you know. This was a, a, the, my number one was a great movie, and I could never watch it again because it was so sad. Um, so it's, and some yeah. of these movies, they were just sort of moments in the movie, yeah. right? Yeah, any any it'll make sense as we All go. Right, we'll start it. us start us with your number five. So number five is a movie that is part of my background, and I will never watch it again. I watched it once, and I cried in it. But it's I don't like movies about the Holocaust because both my parents are survivors. Well, my father's no longer with us, but my mother is. You know, yeah. they both went through the Holocaust, and I. I, I lost every. I lost three grandparents, all my uncles, all my aunties, which of course I never met. The entire family got wiped out. So these movies are very hard for me to watch. And Schindler's List was a very well-made movie of that. You know, Spielberg had invested a lot of his life in Holocaust research, and he. I don't know whether you know this, but he sponsored living test testaments from survivors of the Holocaust. Yep. And both of my parents have their testaments. So they never told their stories to the family. I I knew them really through Steven Spielberg. I mean, I knew bits of it, but both of them had amazing stories of survival. And, you know, people have to understand that the people that survived the Holocaust were the very lucky few, so their stories are amazing. Yeah. And a lot of them came to Melbourne. Melbourne became a very one of the three biggest cities of survivors in the world. So there are a lot of children of them and grandchildren now living in Melbourne. So Schindler's List was very moving to me, and I certainly makes a list. Yeah, I had a feeling when when uh, we sort of texted each other the topic, and I sort of thought, oh, I wonder if that will will we'll go down that track with you because I wasn't sure whether you know how how invested you were in that. And I, I, knowing a little bit about your family history, I knew that it'd be in there somewhere. So, yep, yeah, no, understand. Brian, what's your number five? Um, this is going to be surprising to everybody, mm-hmm. but planes, trains, and automobiles, which is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. But towards the end, when you realise that John Candy's wife is dead and he's just this very, very lonely man and Steve Martin's on the train moving away and he's suddenly putting all the pieces together and he realises, you know, I haven't seen my wife for years and all of the bits and just... That just broke my heart. I was, you know, um, even just thinking about it, I get a bit misty. So, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really. It's actually um, for two blokes known so famously for their, you know, comedic antics, um, uh, even you know, slapstickery kind of uh, performances that they both are, are well known for. Um, uh, that film showed a side of the two of them that I hadn't seen before and, and thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, the director, well, John Hughes, was famous for pathos in his comedy. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, a, that's yeah a, it's a lovely moment, actually. Really nice. I mean, even, Fer- even Ferris Bueller's day off, you know, at the end with yeah. his friend. You know, they say he was very much to underscore the comedy or to to give depth to comedy. It's like 
It's like putting salt in chocolate or caramel, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it is a bit. Um, my number five is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There's a couple of bits yeah. in that where I completely um, am, a, am a, you know, sobbing uh, mess um, and mostly do with Jack and then the Chief and then just uh, the, 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 the way that that is done, um, what a bitch that nurse is and how, and how good Louise Fletcher was um, playing that role. But uh, you just the, the bit with Billy when he, um, when he start, stutters and then – uh, stops stuttering and starts talking, and then he starts stuttering again. That bloody hell! That um, that undoes me every time. Um, he's a very good actor, that young man. Um, but yeah, so one flew over the cuckoo's nest. A couple of bits in that, but the, the stuttering bit is probably the one that gets me gets to me the most. Number four, for great me. So number four for me, um. I, I I get very moved by movies with injustice in it and courtroom dramas and and one of the great it's a great movie is in the name of the father. Oh yeah, and the story of the Guildford Four, um, Daniel Day Lewis. You know, it's it's an incredible true story of injustice of just Irish teenagers and their family that were charged with an an infamous IRA bombing in England. And um, Pete Postlethwaite plays Daniel Day-Lewis's father, Giuseppe Conlon. He dies in prison. But Jerry Conlon and the Guildford Four are finally found incident. And there's this incredibly powerful courtroom scene at the end where Emma Thompson, who plays their lawyer, um, demands of the chief police officer, you know, the truth and honesty because they suppressed evidence and, and and falsified evidence. And Colin Redgrave, who plays the police officer, is sort of shaken but never admitted his true guilt. It's just this great courtroom scene that brought me to tears because it was so powerful and the, the, it was a true story and, and, and done very honest, very faithful to the real story and it was... Powerfully, powerful injustice, and, and you know, yeah, very, very moving for me. So, in the name of the Father. Okay, Brian. Wow, I've got one too many here. Um, I'm going to go for Time to Kill which is a John Grisham story starring movie. It's a book, obviously, um, starring um, Samuel L. Jackson and Matthew McConaughey. And, wow. I'll just say it's time to kill. Okay. All right. You are right? God, this is... It's, it's just so fucking horrible. They rape this fucking chick. She's about 12. And then at the end, he's telling the jury about what happened to her. And he says, now imagine that she was white. It's just 
fucked. It's so fucking upsetting. Yeah. I, I wish I'd picked, I wish we'd gone with horror movies. I'll tell you what. Yeah. This is, no, well, it, funny doesn't it, like it, horror it, movies. No, yeah, it, it's it's funny how God, they're, they're, this, this is, God, you're crying. I feel terrible for you. Oh, go and have a look at it. It's just horrendous. I don't know if I want to now. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful movie, but fuck. Yeah. It just, you know, it just kills me. There's, but there's, you know, there's things in it, movies sometimes that they, it does. It just it, it just it rips your heart out and you think, my God, that's uh, you have to actually yeah, well, sit I've got a movie the same. Yeah, okay. I've um, got a movie the same. Same in that is so hard to watch and so sad. Um. I'm going to throw this one uh, on at uh, number four, and it uh, sounds tried after uh, the, that one. But if if you're not moved by Ricky Schroeder's performance in The Champ, um, uh, and John, John Voigt was very good in it too, but Ricky Schroeder's performance in The Champ uh, as the kid in there uh, when, uh, you know, he's talking to John Voigt's uh, prone body is just – it's one of the uh, one of the – most amazing things you'll ever see a child actor do, I reckon. Um, it was it was simply a stunning performance. Um, I don't know if he won anything for it. He, he bloody should have. Um, but yeah, that's one of those ones that you see it, and you don't have to watch the whole film. You only have to see that little bit, and you or you start tearing up because it's just one of those um, very very touching moments. Number three, finally. So this to me is such a sad movie. I'm not going to sort of describe what happens in, in case you haven't seen it, but, again, it's a really good movie. It's one of – so Clint Eastwood directed this movie. Um, it's called Mystic River. And have you heard of it? Is that Crispin Glover in that? No. Uh, no, it's not the film I'm thinking of. No, no. It's just – not for me. It's this really terrible, sad movie of there's these kids back in the 70s and they're just best mates and they're playing street hockey and this big car pulls up and it's just one of the kids, it could have been any of the three or four kids, they were best mates. One of the kids is near the car and it pulls up and this door opens and this guy starts telling him off for playing hockey on the street. They grab the kid and they abduct him and he's found like months later that they've done terrible things to him and it's the story of what happens when these kids grow up because one of them becomes a policeman. And Yeah, it's a very, very hard movie to watch oh, Mystic wow. River. Don't know it, but I will. Uh, we'll check it out. I don't know what mood I'll be in when I decide to do that. Jeez. So Mystic River is an actual river. Okay. Um, is this a re- is this a recent one or like a, a two thousand? No. Sean uh, Penn. Sean Penn is De Niro in it. No. Sean but, Penn. Uh, maybe. Maybe. It's it's a really strong it's, car. It's, it's about the the four actors. Uh, the stars are when what's later. There's young actors playing it, and Sean Penn is one of them, I believe. No, I no, that's another been. movie. No, that's that's the one when they throw the 
they end up in a boys' home with Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay, all right, okay. Sorry, yeah. my mistake. Um, now that's a seven, isn't it? No, nah, no. Nah, I'll tell you the name of that in a minute. Now this is different. It's sort of yeah, it's very different. But I'll tell you that one in a sec. Okay. Um. All right, Brian. You're right. Well, oh, it's, it's just going to get worse, Kev. Um. Uh, I just don't know which one to pick. Um, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Honky Tonk Man, which is uh, Clint Eastwood is a country and western singer, and he's never really made it. His his son is in the movie with him, and they're driving around, you know, uh, Louisiana and all sort of places. And the big deal is that he's, you know, he, he's pretty good. He gets to the Grand Ole Opry, and but he's he's got tuberculosis or something, and he's coughing up blood into a handkerchief half the way, most of the way through the movie. Anyway, after all this hard work, he finally gets into the studio to record a song, and he's recording the song. And he gets about two thirds of the way through, and you know, and then those the band to just play live, and they just keep going. We don't stop, and we'll just keep going. So he sings about two thirds of the song, and then he can't go on. And so then the banjo or the bass player takes over the song. But it was just, it broke my heart to see this bloke that he finally got. It's all this hard work. He's finally got there, and then his health took that moment away from him. Um, that's terrible. Yeah. Honky Tonk Man. All right, Honky Tonk Man. A uh, couple of Clint Eastwood ones there. Um, I, yeah, this, just very quickly. Yeah. Sorry, yes. very quickly. So Mystic River had Sean Penn, Kevin Bacon, and Tim Robbins in it. Right. And the movie with... Kevin Bacon, Brad Pitt, and Robert De Niro with kids then grown up later is called Sleepers. Ah, Sleepers, that's it. Yep. That's where, right. they, all talk, that's where they all talk about what happened to them at, uh, at a dorm somewhere or, or a. Well, they got sent to a boys' home. Yeah, boys home, a, that's right. Yeah. They threw a gelati cart down a oh, train that, thing. And... That bloody film's harrowing, Sleepers. Jesus. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not good. Um, my my number three uh, bad is uh, Crane versus Kramer. There's a couple of things in there that oh, because yeah. of, because of because of things that happened in my life um, that uh, that hit a chord with me and uh, in, in later years. And uh, so that that's one that uh, has uh, has reduced me to tears over the years. So uh, and and Hoffman is so good in that. And the and the little kid, I can't think of his name off the top of my head with the um, the uh, bowl haircut, um, who went on to be an actor in a few other th- uh, things later in life, but he was only a little kid in that. It's very, very good. But it's that whole mother versus father divorce thing, which was just, you know, not and not that my parents divorced. It wasn't to do with my parents, but just a couple of things that happened in my life that, yeah, pushed a few buttons and went, yeah, for me. Number two, Finey. So it's a very recent movie, I think maybe last year or the year before. Oh, really? Called called Whale. Oh, uh, Brendan Thingo, Roberts. Brendan Fraser. Fraser, yeah. 
I watched yeah, it about three weeks ago. Yeah, and to me, it was so sad. It it just deals with that sad self-loathing of addiction. His addiction was food, and how he was just thought that you know it's just a really sad story of somebody who desperately wanted to connect with his daughter and had all the best intentions and whatever, but was killing himself. And, yeah, I cried during that. What did you think of it, Kevin? Yeah, I must admit, uh, I I watched it with Sarah. I watched it one uh, Sunday afternoon, and we both sort of at the end of it went, that, that was real. It was, it's, a, it's a punishing film. In terms of really punny, it it, gr- yeah. it it grinds you as you go, and every time you think there's something going to be bright about it, it, it grinds you back into into where it yeah. was. Yeah. At the end of it, I struggled to find the point of it in many ways because it became it, it was hopeless. It was a hope. It was a hopeless story, and and I suppose that's what in the end uh, they they tried to uh, get across, and and they did that very well. But it would it just it left me. Um, and I, not that I need everything, you know, wrapped up in a nice little bow and handed to me, um, and they all lived happily ever after, and the ending is quite weird. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – I didn't walk away feeling – well, I just – it was hopeless. It was just such a hopeless story and and one that made you feel sad. So I just – I felt like that yeah. at the end of it, and I, I guess that's that's the sort of movie it was. Yeah, I just found a real realism in people that have destroyed their lives still loving people around them and thinking if I give them, leave them money or something, I've done the right thing by them. Yeah. And not realising that people don't want your money. They want a daughter wants a father. Yeah, they want and, you. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that really, that just was really touching for me because I, I think that happens. I know that happens to people. That oh, no they, doubt. They think they're so worthless that, you know, they'd rather die and, because my, I think I've done the right thing. They can get the insurance. You know, they don't. People want people who they love in their lives. Not it's the same money. philosophy, finally, of people who think the world will change for them if they win Tats Lotto. You'll still yeah. be a miserable pain in the ass if you win Tats yeah. Lotto. You'll just be a rich one. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Brian, number two? Well, I'll make sure I don't have a look at that one because that sounds – oh, that'll kill me. Oh, um, my number two – now, this one's probably going to be okay for me because I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> they they betrayed me. Not since um, – Show me the money, which we all thought was going to be about a sports agent, which is going to be great. It turned out to be this stoppy, bullshit, freaking story, love story between Tom Cruise and um, the chick from Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Um, you know, you know, you know her name. Yeah, yeah, that 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 girl. She's oh, come on, Brian, you had um, me at a low. Yeah, right. Um, the squinter. Terms of endearment, you assholes. You know, I thought this was a movie. I went to see it. I thought it was Jack Nicholson, Shirley MacLaine. This is a movie that's going to tell you that, you know, you can still fall in love and have all those feelings after 50. 
And, I, you know, you see Jack Nicholson driving on the beach in the Porsche and she's hanging out the top or whatever, vice versa. And I thought, fantastic. And then halfway through the movie, Deborah Wing and her daughter, and chick movies, Fegadigam, love this, they chuck her with cancer. And, oh, my God, she's there and she's probably the last time she's going to see her kids. And the older one's there and he's pissed. The younger one's, hey, mum, hey, mum, it's great. And then the older one, he's pissed off with her and he's angry and he's being, you know, a teenager. And she's saying, no, you do like, oh, fuck. That scene is just fucking, it's so real and it's so unbearably sad to watch. I will never, ever look at that movie again i understand the point it made and it made it very well but fuck me i don't even feel like eating popcorn or watch something like that yeah so terms of endearment number t- three or two or whatever two, the number, number two yeah number two right, for me. Right. number two for me as well um and oh, good. and I could I could have moved these movies around you know five to one it wouldn't make a hell of a lot of difference but yeah exactly the same I, I thought it was going to be you know Jack you're right Jack, Jack's on the beach and he's the hair's blowing yeah. back and he's going woohoo and he's an astronaut Garrett something I think his name was in it yeah yeah Garrett Breedlove or something his name and uh, Aurora and uh, you know he and Shirley MacLaine are having this wonderful time and then boom and then Jeff Daniels turns out to be such a prick um, <laughs> such a yeah. dislikable prick um, to Deborah Winger and it's um, yeah it, it, it is one of those films that um, that uh, <coughs> got me as well. Yeah. I hope I never have to see it again. Oh, no, I won't watch it again. See, that's the other thing. Um, the, with the exception maybe of the film that I'm going to say in number one, I, I won't watch any of these films again, I don't think, because it just uh, I, I don't need to. I've, I, I don't need to have that, you know. I mean, I can't imagine any of you watching any of, any of the ones that you've mentioned. I'm no, I'd probably, watch, I'd probably watch all the ones I've mentioned. Oh, planes, trains, and automobiles, I would. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch yeah. Yeah, I'd watch A Time to Kill again. I'd watch Honky Tonk Man again. Um, so, yeah, okay. no. All right, number one, Finey, what is this film? Now, I never saw Terms of Endearment, but I did see Good. the adult version, Terms of Endearment, <laughs> and that was <laughs> that'll make you. That'll bring tears to your eyes. Don't worry about that. Now, what's your number one? <laughs> It didn't. She was very capable. Oh, stop it. See, perfectly good adult conversation and straight yes. to the back right. entrance. Right. Now, come on. What's your number one? This is the saddest think. movie I have ever seen. And I sobbed during it. I can never watch it again. I can only tell people because I'm not going to tell you what happens in it. It's about a house, a, a battle over a house where both parties have absolutely are justified in wanting that house. But it is, to me, it was so sad. Beautifully acted by Jennifer Connolly and Ben Kingsley. It's called House of Sand and Fog. Yeah, I've heard of it. And I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. I want to see a, 
are really, it is sad, but it's beautifully acted. And it's just, you know, in movies, they tend to make one person the, one person, especially when there's a conflict, one person's a goodie, one person's a baddie, or one person is written up in such a way that you're sympathetic towards one that's sympathetic. It's beautifully written because you absolutely care about both sides of the argument. And that's why it's beautifully written. And it's a very sad movie. House of Sand and Fog. Okay, I'll have to check that out. I can't say I've ever heard of it, to be honest. No, uh, it's a great movie, beautifully acted. Okay. A good actor, Ben Kingsley, very good actor. All right, Brian, what's number one? This is going to surprise everybody, but it's Saving Private Ryan. And the reason it's Saving Private Ryan is a number of reasons in that I just look at these blokes going into that barrage of bullets, and that's terrible. Um, But... The scene that really gets me is where Mrs. Sullivan, she, we know that four of her sons have been killed, but she's in a little farmhouse. And um, you see the car coming down the road, and she walks out to the porch, and she knows what's coming, and she just collapses. There's no fucking words, but it's just fucking... Terrible. It just kills me. So for that particular scene, you could argue that the the scene where the guy gets stabbed and there's many things, but that particular shot of a mother finding out that four of her sons are dead, that kills me. So move on. Yep. You're right. Saving Private Ryan, number one. Uh, and my number one is, uh, it, and it, it gets me tearing up every time. It's in Stand by Me, the uh, the adaptation of the Stephen King short movie, which has got Jerry Connell in it, and uh, the, the uh, Richard Dreyfus is the narrator who talks throughout the whole thing. And there's a bit at the end where he sort of uh, it's kind of summing up where everyone is now and stuff, and he talks about Chris, who was the the other major character in it. Um, and played by Will Wheaton, who was in some Star Trek movies and stuff. And he's a really good, fresh-faced young actor. And he's talking about um, how he died uh, and that he died. And he died in a, you know, intervening in a, uh, in a, a drive-by kind of uh, a robbery type thing. Um, and just the, the, the Dreyfus's voice is beautiful. Whoever picked him to be the narrator just absolutely nailed it. And he just does this thing about, you know, um, and Chris being Chris, he jumped in and helped and got stabbed and died. And, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll never have friends like the friends I had when I was 12 years old. And it's just, it's really beautifully underwritten uh, as opposed to overwritten. And just uh, the the emotion in uh, in Dreyfus's voice is just, just fantastic. It's just a really, really nice little moment in, a, in what is a fabulous film that made me laugh a lot and... Uh, and think back to, you know, the silly bloody things you did when you're 12 and 13 years of age with your mates um, and uh, and the bond that you had with them 
and how how that all kind of worked out and plays out in in, in your life when you're later and you're looking back on it. So it's always a moment that uh, that gets to me. So there you go. How are you, Mannix? No, that's uh, he's a great movie. Um, are you all right? Oh, look, I had no idea this would affect me this way. Um, terrible topic. It's you know I bag you for the you guys the English cricketers and some of your topics, but. You know, this could all could have been avoided. Well, you've gone I, from you've gone from a woke rant at one stage into uh, into you know uh, being being absolutely it, almost inconsolable. There, it's consistent, Kev. Yeah. It's about care. It's it's about it's about caring for people. Yes. It's about being a liberal. It's about having the balance of things right. We we're out of balance at the moment, and this oh this. You know, that's just shocked me. So let's have a happier topic next I'll, week. I'll come up with something a little happier for next week. It's my turn, so I'll come up with something a, a little a little happier. But that's an interesting insight into uh, into both of you two, uh, for me, and I, I hope for, for the people listening to this that they've uh, enjoyed this episode of Rock and Roll. Can I just give a quick nod to Downfall, the Hitler movie, which is – the last thing you'd think about being a sad movie, but there's a scene where Goebbels, his wife, poisons all of his kids. Oh, God. Um, because they can't, and it's just horrendous. And also um, uh, Downfall and, oh, well, that'll do. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, there's so many sad movies. And as you say, they're just has to be one scene, and when it comes unexpectedly, that just kills you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you go, you go see the Notebook. Well, you know what you're getting. Before. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hugely big fan of those films that purposely set out, as Finey said at the start, and neither is he. That purposely set out that the, the, you're going to go in there, it's going to be a, a, a cry fest from start to finish. I, I don't, I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of those type of films at all, to be honest. No, I go to movies to get away from that. Kind yeah, of for, shit. for the most part, me too, me too. But there's yeah. moments in, as as finally said, the, those beautiful pathos moments in movies that um, that that make a, a huge impact. Um, Mr. Fine, are you still with us? So I've I've got a good topic for next week. What? Oh God, here we go. <laughs> Righto. Five pets that you had to put down. Oh, oh Jesus, Finey, you you, I have, you, I are, got you are one sick prick. <laughs> I've only got one that we had to put down. Oh no, no, uh, no, no! See now, I thought of Toby, that beautiful, beautiful uh, Saint Bernard we had that we had to. Um, you just oh, want me to no. cry again next week? That's all. No, I oh, see oh, you, oh, there you go. You know, think this will be good for the ratings if I cry every week? On well, the no, we'll do five, five, you know, five, sixty. You know, in sixty minutes, like they try. The big thing is to try to make the. the Subject matter cry. Yeah. 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 Famous one where the interviewer cried, which was like the most pathetic TV ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but, the five podcasts that make you cry, that's next week. We look forward to it. This will be top of the yeah. list. Um, the, five time, oh, the, five times you got your, the five times you got your dick or balls caught in your zipper. Oh, yeah. No, nice. Um, thank you. See, again, a perfectly adult conversation, Finey. And where do you take it? Well, actually, next week we should do the show while chopping onions. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what I bought this week? Those tearless onions. And they are. Tearless, tearless onions. Yes, they are. They're in a special bag. They're in a, a different packaging. 
to the yeah. um, to the normal onions, and I didn't. I picked them up by mistake. They were the best looking onions there. I grabbed them. It wasn't until I got home that I saw they had a little tag on them saying "tearless onions." Um, nah, and yeah, it's and they are bullshit. No, Dumbest they are. Idea. Dumbest idea since the ventilated condom. <laughs> I'm, I'm the real onion. Uh, all right. Um, that'll. Uh, I think the vented condoms come. The onions come in those, don't they? In the bags. And I don't. Yeah, that's no, right. don't, yeah, and I just said the wrong words anyway. Um, let's finish this before we do any more damage. Thank you, boys. A reminder about the Life of Brian podcast. It's uh, new ones up with uh, Rick Springfield and Colin Peterson from the BG. So, um, good episode. Um, thank you, boys. Have a good week. Look after yourselves. Take care. Go and get the tissue box, Brian. Or well, use your neck exchange. <laughs> use your neck Uh, no one is being my friend. <laughs> See you, boys. Good on you, Brian. See you, boys. See you, boys. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs>